0: Well, uh, as I uh, as I said uh, a little while ago, when the Torah was out, that uh, this is the eighth day of uh, Passover, uh, and it's called Shemini Shel Pesach, literally the eighth of Passover, uh, and uh, and and it it is a very interesting uh, a very interesting uh, a day when it comes to how the our ancient sages understood this eighth day, and I'm going to read to you first uh, right from the uh, the chumash, right, the stone chumash, right from many of you even own probably a copy of it. It has all of the Torah and Haftorah readings for the year with a little commentary on it. And so this passage uh, of uh, chapters eleven and twelve of um, Uh, Isaiah, this is what it says. For the close of the festival that marks Israel's first redemption, a Haftorah uh, was selected that gives lyrical allusions to another great salvation that took place during Passover and to the final salvation, the coming of the Messiah. The Haftorah begins with the arrogant boast of the all-victorious Sennacherib of Assyria, who was swiftly conquering Israel and was on his way to an easy conquest of Jerusalem. But instead of victory, the brazen conqueror and his entire army were cut down in a single night by the angel of God. These two verses are followed by one of Scripture's most stirring prophecies of the end of days. The ravages of the exile will have decimated the divinic dynasty, but the stump of Jesse will remain and from it will grow a monarch worthy of his glorious ancestors, a monarch who will once again reflect the spirit and wisdom of Jewish holiness. He will usher in the new era of history, when peace will rule the world, when mortal enemies will dwell together and predators will no more molest the weak and defenseless. God will gather in his children from the ends of the earth, the once hostile factions of Judah and Ephraim, will unite in brotherhood and reconquer all of Israel from the adversaries who denied them their land. Finally, the Jews emerging from exile will recognize the underlying meaning of history. They will be grateful not only for deliverance and blessing, but even for the tribulation of exile, because they will understand that suffering was part of the series of events leading to the bliss of redemption and spiritual triumph. Isn't that something? Uh, That should give us all the more reason to be motivated to share the good news that the Messiah has come and his name is Yeshua. You know, many times we we love to hear these kinds of things, uh, you know, and like to make all the different connections, but not motivated to tell Jewish people about it. (laughs) You know, Uh, and so we really do want our people to understand that believing in Yeshua is not something you do in spite of being Jewish. It's something you do because you're Jewish. Uh, and recognizing that the beginning of this, uh, of this, what we're looking forward to, has begun to take place. So I thought that uh, today would be a uh, fine time for us to look at uh, a portion of this. Now, the context, the larger context, even beyond what it says uh, in the Chumash here, is... Uh, that, um, I don't know if you know your, your Bible history at, at this time, but you know that there were two nations. It was the southern kingdom of Judah, the northern kingdom of Israel, right? Okay. So the northern kingdom of Israel, they made, uh, an, they made an alliance with Assyria. Okay. Uh, and they came together and desired to conquer Judah. Okay. The king's name was Ahaz. And Ahaz was a, a very interesting uh, figure. So what he did, it's very interesting, he made two separate deals. He made a deal with Egypt, and he also made a deal with Assyria. Okay, on, on the side. Very interesting, right? Uh, but you see, remember that Ahaz, who is the king uh, was of Judah, was descended from David. right? And so he had... He had real accountability to walk with the Lord and to listen to the Lord, right? So Isaiah tells him, "Don't worry about it. That uh, you know uh, that Israel and Assyria is, are not going to come against Jerusalem. They're not going to get there. It isn't going to happen, right?" Uh, and we know that the northern kingdom ends up being decimated. The one that had an alliance, you know, they end up being decimated and then it's the end of the northern kingdom. And then this king, Sennacherib of Assyria is, is outside of Jerusalem and then in an amazing turn of events is called back to, uh, Assyria and they never attack Jerusalem. You know, Hezekiah is uh, sweating. He's worried and Isaiah keeps telling him, don't, don't, don't do anything. The Lord will protect you, right? So when Isaiah, though, was speaking to Ahaz, this king, he tells him, don't worry, not only that, but there's going to be a king who's going to come and the king, you know, the king is going to be born in a miraculous way. He'll be born from an Alma, right? He'll be born from a virgin. That's how you know it's a sign from God. His name is going to be called Emmanuel, God with us, right? Uh, and then uh, uh, we know that he is going to demonstrate the absolute character of God. Right? You know that passage from Isaiah chapter 9? Uh, and then in chapter 11, again, we read about him. They're all connected. All these chapters are connected in, in Isaiah. That's another story for another day. Right? Uh, and so then in, in, uh, in chapter 11 of, of Isaiah, Reading about this king, who's going to come, right? We see that, of course, just as it said in the uh, what I had just read, that ultimately what's going to happen is there's going to be this judgment now on uh, you know on Israel and on Judah uh, for trusting in other nations, for trusting in human governments, okay. Uh, and uh, and then what's going to happen is you know Israel uh, Judah is going to end up going into captivity uh, and there'll be no more king in Israel no more king a uh, 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 Davidic king but we read at the beginning of chapter eleven that a shoot is going to spring from the stem of Jesse or the stump of Jesse in other words the kingship is cut off but boop, one is going to come out of the stump. To restore the Davidic dynasty, right? Uh, this is similar to what uh, a- 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 Amos says: to raise up the fallen tabernacle of David, sort of saying the same thing in another way, right? Uh, and it says, "And a branch from his roots will bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him: the spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and strength, the spirit of the Lord, uh, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord." Uh, and, um, uh, he's going to delight, uh, in the fear of the Lord, and he's going to be a perfect king. Every decision will be righteous, just, transparent. Uh, uh, enemies will no longer be enemies. Uh, it's going to be the world the way God desired it to be. Right? That's the great promise. Uh, and then at the end of chapter, uh, at the end of chapter 11, we have a uh we might say a doxology almost, right? Uh, we have uh, uh this great few verses that we that in the Bible is called chapter 12 uh of Isaiah. It is the you could say it's the epilogue of this whole section that you can make an argument that goes all the way back to chapter two. And in fact, it's called the first book of Isaiah, okay? The Emmanuel, the Emmanuel book. Uh, if you study the whole uh, book of Isaiah. And what's interesting, uh, chapter 13 begins a whole new section of oracles of judgment, and then chapter 27 is another uh, doxology, another uh, prayer uh, at the end of that section. So Isaiah is a fascinating book uh, to study the the way it's laid out. And I thought what we would do is look at... This uh, the the end of this section, uh, chapter twelve of Isaiah, which is part of our Haftorah portion, uh, and uh, and because it is really glorious and I think very encouraging when we think about this holiday, when we think about what God has done, uh, and it's a great reminder to us of what God has done and and our response, and and hopefully uh, encouraging and invigorating. To us, most of us are familiar uh, with it uh, because the second verse uh, of chapter 12 is a song, perhaps the first, one of the very first modern messianic songs that Stuart Dowerman put to music. Okay? Uh, you know what? Behold, God is my salvation, it comes from this chapter. Okay? So, uh, let's look at it again. It's only a few verses long. Uh, and, and here are the words. Then you will say on that day, I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, for although thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away and thou dost comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord God is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. In that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, make them remember that his name is exalted. Praise the Lord in song, for he has done excellent things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. These are great words of deliverance and in its context, this is what will be said at the end. This is what will be said when Yeshua comes and sits on His throne in Jerusalem, uh, you know, and... uh, and serves as the the king not only of Israel and of the world when the nations come and receive the torah uh the, you know the word of god when the wolf lays down with the lamb when there is absolute deliverance this is what not only Israel but the world will say uh and uh, and of course because the messiah has come uh while we don't have our complete uh, redemption yet, we can sing these words with great conviction and with great truth because we have received the first fruits of this. We uh, are those uh, who dwell in the beginning of the world to come, even though we live in this world. Uh, and we need to be challenged to quit being mediocre in our the way we conduct ourselves in life and be recognized and recognize for ourselves what we have received and actually be joyful for the salvation that we have. Okay? Uh, And uh, recognize that it is uh that it is really that it is really true. Okay. So um, first, it can be divided into two parts: the first three verses and the last three verses. The first three verses uh, are a declaration of what God is—a uh, is declaration that God is our salvation, uh, and and uh, and uh, living a a robust life in the Lord. The last three verses describe then what we do, what we do having received that robust life. Uh, in the Messiah. The first three verses are a testimony of deliverance and reconciliation and abundant life. Verses 4 to 6 is our response to this, as, as we'll see. Now, first, if you go back to chapter 10, okay? Chapter 10 in verse 24. Of course, I'm tempted to read the entire book of Isaiah, but I won't, okay? All right. So in verse 24, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, this is in chapter 10, in verse 24, Therefore, thus says the Lord, uh, the Lord God of hosts, All my people who dwell in Zion, do not fear the Assyrians who strike you with the rod and lift his staff against you the way Egypt did. And that's very important. The way Egypt did is not referring to Egypt in their day, but referring all the way back to Passover. Okay? The deliverance at Passover. Okay? For in a very little while, uh, my indignation against you will be spent, and my anger will be directed to their destruction. So what that means, when he says, my indignation against you will be spent, that means that, yes, God is angry at the people. And the reason for their despair, and the reason that all these bad things had happened to them, and the reason that they were in exile and everything... Uh, and uh, to this day, in a a certain respect, is because of rebellion against God. Okay? Rebellion against uh, God. So we have to remember that, that there was anger here. Uh, Okay? And the Lord of hosts will arouse a scourge uh, against him like the slaughter of Midian at the rock of Oreb, and his staff will be over the sea, and he will lift it up the way he did in Egypt. Again, Remember, remember the Passover, right? So it will be in that day that his burden will be removed from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be broken uh, because of fatness. And then, uh, you know, the passage goes on. Then you come to chapter 11, okay, so God is going to bring judgment. Then he says, then the Davidic king will come, right? The Davidic king will come. Uh, a shoot will come out of the stump, out of the cut down stump of uh, Jesse, right? Uh, and uh, and 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 it describes it, it describes uh, the world to come. Now, if you look at verse ten and eleven, now of chapter eleven, notice it says, "Now it will come about in that day." See that it says in that day that the nations will resort to the root of Jesse. Right? That the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. Then in verse 11, then it will happen on that day that the Lord will again recover a second time with his hand the remnant of his people who remain from all these different places. So he's talking about the remnant of Israel here. The nations? It's really a remnant of the nations? Uh, and uh, and Israel will return. This is the consummation. We know that in Messiah Yeshua this has begun. Uh, I won't take the time, but if you look in the Gospel of Matthew, it's significant that when Yeshua came to be immersed, it said the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. All right, and we know that Yeshua, being the very incarnation of God, certainly uh, um, has upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And we know that he is indeed the messianic king. And we know that he's calling out a people for himself today of Jews and Gentiles. Jews from, you know, wherever we may be and Gentiles from the nations that this process has begun. So therefore, we can sing ahead of time. Before the whole world is transformed, we can sing ahead of time what's in chapter 12. So chapter 12 begins, then you will say, On that day, on that day, on that day, that day when the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, when we came to know Messiah Yeshua and forevermore. Remember back. Maybe you can't pinpoint a day, that's okay. But uh, when you embraced Yeshua, okay? Uh, for us that in a sense, that is that day. Now there will be the objective day when Yeshua returns, but we can say, this is from that day on we should be singing this song. All right? I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for although you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me, okay? And so there is, uh, here, uh, an acknowledgement that, yes, I, I was alienated from you. I, there was, I was in rebellion. Isn't that how we testify? Where I, where I was? And, you know, I was in, in, uh, uh, rebellion. and it's very interesting because there are, uh, uh several very interesting passages here, you know, in uh, the book of Colossians in the new covenant describes this. Uh, it says uh, this. Although in verse twenty-one of chapter one, although you were formerly alienated and hostile and mind engaged in evil deeds, yet present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And then it says, if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established meaning that you never want to take God for granted. Yes, we have an assurance of our salvation, but may we never take any of that for for granted, right? Uh, and so when we talk about here this anger uh, of God and how it's turned away and now he has become our comfort, very important to remember that it's not like we got right with God and then he sent the Messiah. Uh, you know, like, uh, first I uh uh this world uh, changed the jewish world changed and was deserving of the coming of the messiah not at all it was really a dark time in jewish history uh where you had all kinds of sects you know you had the pharisees you had the sadducees you had the essenes you had corruption you had legalism you had the romans you had all of it uh uh right and even in our own lives it's not that we, we got in the groove and then we came to know the Lord, you know? So what do we read in the book of Romans? One of the great passages that, that actually says this is uh, is this. In Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, or actually I need to start back. Wait, 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 wait. Verse 6, verse 6. We gotta start there. Six. Romans 5, 6. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Messiah died for who? The ungodly. All right. He didn't die for the godly, he died for the ungodly. That's what Yeshua says in another place. That's why I came to, to minister to, right? For one will hardly die for a righteous man. Though perhaps for a good man, someone might dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Messiah died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, he keeps saying that, doesn't he? Not only this, right? But ought we also exult in God through our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So notice he says, while we were helpless While we were sinners, while we were enemies, Messiah died for us. God was angry, but his anger turned to love in sending Yeshua into this world. Uh, And so when you come back now to Isaiah chapter 12, when he says, although... You were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you comfort me. We need to really uh, have those words like embossed on our brain, right? Uh, that this is indeed our testimony. We need to, uh, if we call ourselves Messiah followers, we need to rejoice in this and not forget about it, or just see it as an item on a doctrinal statement and then walk around moping around all the time, complaining about everything. We've missed it. Then we're just like our ancestors in the wilderness, who we love to always be banging on. We love, we love to talk about the Jewish people in the wilderness. How could they complain? They just came out of Egypt. How could they be complaining? Look in the mirror. Okay, how can any of us complain even if life has dealt us a hand that is not so good? See? Uh, and so uh, on this last day of Passover we need to remember that. Alright, so there's this statement, you know, I will give thanks because you were angry, your anger went away, and you comforted me. Behold, God is my salvation. There's not, it's not me and God is my salvation. It's not I am not my salvation. It is God is my deliverance. Okay? It's not God is my deliverance, but I made it happen. You know, God is my deliverance, but I uh, manipulated the situation so that it would end up the way, the way that it did. No. God is my salvation. I will trust And not be afraid. That means I will have confidence. Betach. That word means to have confidence. To have confidence in God. That means I have confidence in you, God, that you will indeed make a way. You will indeed never leave me or forsake me. Now we're in the wilderness. Bad things happen in the wilderness. Bad bad things happen to the Israelites in the wilderness. They were attacking nations there were, you know, there was all kinds of uh, hardships. But remember what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8? It says, God did that so that you would learn to trust him. That man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. It's still true. Okay? Uh, and so life may be difficult, but remember what you've been delivered from. You've been delivered from the bondage of alienation. Alienation means, uh, as I shared in a Bible study this week, we are alienated from birth, really, in four ways, right? We're alienated uh, from God, uh, from uh, ourselves, from other people, uh, and the uh, world, and just the world around us, even like the physical environment, right? Alienation means... We're we're separated from it. We're at odds with, with it, right? And so what Yeshua did is, in his death and his resurrection, he reconciled us first and foremost to God, like being plugged into the power source, so that we can then begin the process of being and living out, functionally in our lives, relationships with other people, Relationships with the world and the uh, you, you know and, and, and other people in the way that God had intended. See, uh, and uh, and so He has begun uh, that in us. And so uh, when He says, I, "I will trust and not be afraid," I will have confidence in God, and I will not fear enemies. Okay. Now, when you make enemies because you're like obnoxious or something you 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 know i uh, like uh in the flesh making enemies that becomes the consequences of your sins right what he's talking about here is don't be afraid of those who come against you because you're messiah followers right because you represent who god is think about israel that uh, their everything was all about this relationship with god right uh they went into exile because of their relationship with God. Nations hated them because of their relationship with God, and, and so on. And, uh, and, and, and so very important for us that uh, we live that way, that I will trust, and I won't be afraid. I won't be afraid of what this world can shove at me. Uh, I have confidence in God. It doesn't mean that we live on easy street. It doesn't mean everything works out the way we want. But what it means is that our destiny is secure and our and our walk with God is secure and that we can live an abundant life today in the midst of the craziness and chaos. That you can get through whatever it is you're going through, you can get through it. Okay? For the Lord God is my strength, He is my strength uh, and my uh and my song. The fruit of trust is strength, durability, right? Durability in the face of life. In other words, you know, durable, like, wow, I can, you know, I, I, you know how when you have an appliance that you've moved all over the country with and it's got maybe a little dents in it and stuff like that, but it still works 30 years later, still works because I bought a new one. It wouldn't work anymore because nothing's built like it used to be. Right. All right. Okay. So durability—that's what it, we are durable people when our strength is related to our confidence uh, in uh, the deliverance of God. Okay. Uh, very, very, uh, very, very important there. Right. And so we need to meditate on that, and we need to come out of Passover and and engage in our 50 days, you know, uh, of counting the Omer, being restored and renewed in this. And then, it, of course, it says, and he has become my salvation. It's something that God is. It's not just something he did. He is my deliverance. I live in that deliverance. I walk in that deliverance, regardless of what happens, Right? And I live, therefore, in the wisdom of God. When I live in the wisdom of God, when I live in that deliverance, I will make choices commensurate with the orderly way of life that God gave us at the beginning. To make right choices. To take uh, you know uh, advantage of the right kinds of helps and opportunities in life to walk with God. Okay? And then we read, therefore... You will joyfully draw water from the springs of salvation. Now, so remember Isaiah is saying this. So in verse one at the beginning, he says, you'll say, and then what we just, what we just read. Now Isaiah comes back again in verse three and he says, therefore you will joyously draw water from the wells of salvation. That's a very interesting uh, you know, a very interesting uh, uh, statement, the wells of salvation. Think of it this way: when when the Israelites came out of Egypt, right, and they sang that great song, which by the way, uh Isaiah chapter 12 is an echo of. It's an you know, in Exodus 15, it says, Behold, God is my salvation, he's my strength and my song. Right and now it's repeated in Isaiah chapter twelve. You know when when the Jewish people came out of came out of the parting of the waters, they sang the song. It says they believed in the Lord and they sang unto Him. Uh, it's in Psalm one hundred and six. They believed in the Lord and they sang unto Him. They sang that great song, and we know what happens. Right, it's still even in the same chapter, in chapter fifteen, right after they're done singing the song right after they're done. We're thirsty, right? We're thirsty and the waters are bitter, right? mara that's where we get the word maror from, by the way, right? The waters are bitter and then the waters become sweet. God does a miracle, right? And the waters become sweet. And then it says, right after that, they go somewhere. In uh, Exodus 15, at the very end of the chapter... We read here in verse 27, just verse 27. They came to Elim, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms, and they camped there besides the water. So God gave them sweet water to drink and brought them to like an oasis, brought them to a place where there were 12 springs of water, perhaps representing the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, what have you, but springs of water. And isn't it interesting that it says in chapter 12, therefore you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. It doesn't say lakes of salvation or just water of life, but it says springs of salvation. Perhaps this is an echo of Israel coming out of Egypt and then having a difficult time even being delivered, but God gives them sweet water to drink and an, and an oasis uh, uh, to be at, and uh, and of course when we think about uh, when we think about this, uh, we think about the living waters uh, that we read about uh, in the uh, Brit Shah. In John chapter 4, Yeshua says, I give you, what did he say to the Samaritan woman? I give you living water to drink. You'll never be thirsty again. There'll be an abundance. There'll be fulfillment. Uh, there will be joy, peace, regardless of life's uh, circumstances. And then, of course, at Sukkot, uh, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Right? And out of his, and out of his innermost being shall flow rivers, of mayim chayim, of living water, living water. That's what God promises. That's what God gives, is living water. Uh, and, uh, and so what Isaiah is saying, that you'll always drink from this living water. And so we now, today, we need to always be drinking the living water. Don't stop drinking the living water. The living water comes via communion with God comes uh, uh, via prayer, Uh, comes uh, via serving God, being in His Word. All those things we we continuously drink. It's like a, you know, it's like you can go back for free refills. Okay, that uh, it never ends. It never ends. And if we really have been delivered, and uh, if we know that God's anger is turned away and we know that while we were still helpless and sinners and enemies uh, he gave us life if we really uh, have confidence in him and we are not afraid and he really is our strength we will joyously continue to drink even when life is turned upside down we'll keep drinking those waters drinking those waters and when we drink those waters that's that is what it means to be that to have that robust life when And you know people like this. Some of you are people like this. That no matter what, I'm like, yes! You know? Uh, God is indeed my salvation. Now that doesn't mean you have to be... You know, some people are natural extroverts and, and uh, are natural... Uh, what's that word? Um, gregarious. Not everybody's like that. Okay? So it doesn't mean you know, your personality changes, but certainly there is a confidence and a joy that exudes you know, uh, from us, right? Uh, but where do we have a problem with this? Where do we have a problem with this? Oh, well, if you've been reading Jeremiah, you know where we have a problem with this, right? In Jeremiah chapter 2, what is one of the charges? What is one of the indictments? Here it is. Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah 2.13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. How did they forsake the fountain of living water? Well, you gotta read all this. Uh, Everything from internally being unethical and immoral in their behavior, to uh externally making alliances with foreign nations uh and then the you know foreign nations becoming a threat to them uh all of this the reason they were dry the reason that they would say where is god i don't understand is because they have moved away they have forsaken the one who satisfies to hew for themselves cisterns that hold no water. We do that all the time. I built for myself a way of living for the Lord. Here is how I'm gonna do this. Right? And, uh, and we get distracted. Perhaps we get distracted with, um, uh, things that, that might be helpful in certain contexts of spirituality. Or perhaps we just get distracted in hobbies and other stuff. Just other stuff. That we think will satisfy. And of course, you know, what is it? As the author of Ecclesiastes would say, Hevel, it's Hevel. It's, you know, I, I, it's like it's like chasing after the wind. It's like chasing after the wind. You might think you got it, but then you don't. You know? Uh, and so uh very, very important here in Isaiah. Uh, chapter Twelve that we live that way, and so I'll just finish up, uh, just by saying this, uh, that that uh, the the end result of that the end result is living a life of thanksgiving, living a life of thanksgiving. Uh, you you know when when it talks about in the book of Romans in the first chapter about how he gave them over to their own desires, one of the descriptions is they know they did not give thanks. Okay. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. That comes with the confidence. Call on his name. Not everybody else's name all the time, but call on his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Testify, share what God has done. Okay. And exalt his name. And then, of course, praise him. Sing unto him and let it be known throughout the earth. Cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. May that be our song. May that be our cry. May we come away from the uh, the eight days of Passover, uh, the counting of the Omer, and all the things that we're doing. May we come away with an invigorated new vision of being thankful living and serving the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, uh, God, thank you for this great word, this great song. Lord, may it be indeed our song. Lord, and uh, and we certainly do give thanks for our salvation. You are indeed behold, you are our salvation. You are our deliverance. Uh Lord, thank you that So undeservedly, you have poured out your love upon us. Lord, may we respond well. We pray in Messiah's name.